There's nothing more important that we need as preachers than the attention of our listeners. If they're not paying attention, they won't hear the message. In fact, Paul said that faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So if they're not hearing it, if they're not listening, if they're not paying attention, then there's no reason to continue preaching. So attention is very important, but it's kind of hard to come by. It's hard to capture and maintain the attention of your listeners. This is why we need as preachers to be well aware of the distractions that compete for the attention of our listeners. What are we up against when we preach? What are the things that if we're not careful or not attentive to them, they can capture and steal away the attention that we desperately need in order to connect with our listeners? In today's episode, we're going to talk about four of those distractions. There are many more, but here are four distractions that are competing for the attention of your people. We're going to look at what they are and how to deal with them as a preacher. So if you want to stick around for that, please do. My name's Lane. This is the Preaching Donkey Podcast. This is episode 79. It's so awesome to have you joining me. I would love to give you my free 21-day guide to creating killer sermons. You can go to preachingdonkey.com slash 21 days. Pick it up there. It's a three-week, three-step process that will walk you through how to create and deliver a compelling, life-changing message. So whether you've been preaching for just a little while and you're looking for some resources to help you get started, or you've been preaching for a long time and you just want something fresh and new to take a look at and see if it can help you, there's something in there for you. So go to preachingdonkey.com slash 21 days and check it out for yourself. Again, totally free, my gift to you. Four things competing for your people's attention during your sermon. I wrote this on Preaching Donkey back in January of 2015. It's more important than ever before to... Uh, work on gaining and keeping the attention of your listeners while you preach. Capturing and maintaining attention is one of the most difficult things a communicator must do. But I don't think this difficulty has much to do with attention span. Some will say it's just because people have shorter attention spans than a generation ago. While I believe attention spans may be shorter, and by the way, this is probably even more of a problem now with how popular short form video is like Instagram Reels, TikTok, YouTube Shorts. People are very used to finding something either interesting or not instantly. If you've ever scrolled TikTok, you know. You, you see a video, uh, don't care, okay, don't care, okay, don't care. Uh, I, I like it, I'll watch it for five seconds to see if it captures my attention. Uh, no, not enough, okay, I don't care, don't care. That is normal, especially among the younger generations. So I talk about how I do believe shorter sermons are almost always better. I did an episode kind of correcting my old view on that. You can check it out. It was a few episodes ago. But what makes a shorter sermon better, if we go down this path that a shorter sermon is almost always better, what makes it better has more to do with how it makes the preacher deliver a better sermon when he has less time to waste with filler rambling and incoherence. The reason we have to work harder to gain and keep attention has to do with what competes for the attention of our people every time we preach. Our listeners are so distracted and we need to know what we're up against. Some of these distractions are new. Some of these distractions are as timeless as humanity, but they all present every time you stand up to preach. So here are the four things competing for your people's attention during your sermon. Number one, all 
of the world's information is held in their hands and it's not their Bibles. Every time you preach, almost everyone is sitting there with the smartphone in their hands. They can access anything they want right in the moment, from checking their Facebook newsfeed, to playing a mindless game, to texting a friend, to sending an email, to checking the score of the game. Your listeners have everything they need to pay zero attention to your sermon. So you have three choices. Only one of them is a good one, right? One, you could demand that no one use their phones. Good luck with that. Some churches actually try that, especially if you're in student ministry, sometimes... That might be a, a thing that people do. Or it's like, don't use your phones. Don't have your phones in here. Don't get your phones out. Mm, doesn't really work. Two, you give up and assume that no one is going to pay attention to you because you can, can't compete with their phones. Or three, and this is the best and only option for you who want to preach killer sermons, you can decide to give people a better reason to listen to you than play on their phones. You can decide to do everything in your ability to bring your best every time and make your people want to put down their phones because they don't want to miss out. You can make it your goal, truly, that the only thing happening on your listeners' phones is that they are accessing the text you are preaching on and taking notes. This is a goal you can reach. So I do not think you can get to 100% where everyone is just glued to you all the time and they're not checking their phones because checking your phone is habitual. Everybody all day long checks their phones. In fact, the, the most recent thing that I saw was that the average person checks their smartphone 100 times a day, 100 times. And I would imagine that's that's an average, which means that a lot of people check it a lot more than that. So if they're checking it 100 plus times a day and your sermon is 30 something minutes, it's just math. They're gonna check it once or twice or three times during that message because they're not awake all day long. So. You're not going to get to 100%, but what you need to kind of be aware of is that it's in the old days, it would have just been daydreaming that you're up against, right? They're sitting there, they're looking at you, but they're not really paying attention. It's just you're competing with whatever's going on in their mind. They're thinking about lunch, they're thinking about their day, they're thinking about the fact that they have to go back to work the next day, whatever it is. That that was the old days. And it was unlikely that somebody would just whip out a newspaper in the middle of your sermon and read it. Well, now, you know, they have that. They have whatever they want, anytime they want it, in their hand that they can discreetly read, look at, pay attention to other than you. So you're never going to reach 100% compliance with this, but this is all the more reason why what you're saying and how you're saying it needs to build tension. It needs to capture and maintain interest. The way you do that is to get people to care about what you're saying and about, about what you're about to say. There has to be something, there has to be some kind of stake in your message. There has to be something in it for them. There has to be something that keeps them coming back for more. What that is, we talk about all the time on this channel. So if you are interested, you can check out a recent podcast episode that I did on capturing and maintaining attention by building tension. You can check that out. That's a great thing to kind of a path to go down with this, but understand that you are up against everything with the phone. That's just the way it is. So that's number one. Number two, the second distraction competing for your uh, their, the attention of your listeners is they think you and what you're saying is irrelevant to their lives. Another challenge every preacher faces is that some, not all, but some in your church, perhaps even most, 
perceive you and what you're saying as utterly irrelevant to their lives. They're, they're not hostile about it. They aren't vocal, but it's written all over their faces and their lives attest to it because they remain unchanged. So as a preacher who wants to communicate well, you have to engage this type of person. You begin with a deficit in their mind and it's up to you to do something about it. So there's no magic bullet to solving this problem, but you need to preach with this in mind. It takes a unique approach to gain and keep the attention of those who see the Bible, God, church, worship, fellowship, and you as altogether unremarkable and inconsequential to their daily lives. So this is just something that we have to understand that some people, even if they believe in the Bible, even if they would call themselves Christians, they, for whatever reason, are, are attending in person, right? Or maybe they're watching online, but I'm talking about people that are in the room. They're there, but they're not really attending to what you're saying in terms of their mind, their thoughts, their heart. They're, it's just not really with it, with you. And the reason why is because they perceive what you're talking about as irrelevant. So what some preachers do is they say, okay, well, let's make this as relevant as we possibly can. So let, let's kind of play down the Bible part of it, really tick up the relevance, and let's just get crazy with, hey, this is so relevant and so culturally with it that you're going to be surprised. That's that's one approach. I don't, I don't think it's the best one. Some people forget this altogether and they say, I don't care if it's perceived as irrelevant. We're just going to teach the Bible. We're not going to apply it. It's just going to be walking through the scripture. If they like it, they like it. If they don't, they don't. I don't think that's a good approach either. I think the best approach is to Find a way to let people see the beauty of scripture and how it truly applies to their life and can and does make a difference in their lives day to day. And that's a skill that we have to learn and that we have to, that's a muscle that we have to continue to work out and flex. So again, lots of stuff on this channel, lots of stuff on this podcast about how to capture and main, maintain people's attention. Because what you have to do to, to break through this perceived irrelevance is you have to demonstrate relevance. And the way you do that is show how, demonstrate how what you're teaching in scripture applies to real life in a meaningful way that they care about. So you have to take what you're preaching in scripture, show how it applies to life, real life in a meaningful way that your audience cares about. Only you're going to know how to do that. Only you know your audience. But that's a really, really important thing to do over time. Small deposits over time, consistently showing the relevance. So the first reason why, the first thing you're up against is they're holding a phone in their hand. So right off the bat, they're looking at something else besides you. Number two, they think that what you're saying is irrelevant. Number three, they're bored. <laughs> I mean, just as a default, if you have to be interesting. If you care about people and you think that what you have to say is going to make a difference in their lives, then it must matter to you if they're bored. If they checked out and are just going through the motions, then you have to take note of this and up your game. To avoid some common mistakes that lead to boring sermons, check out the podcast episode that I did called Five Easy Steps to Put People to Sleep with Your Preaching. I talk about what makes a sermon boring and how to avoid that. The difference between effective communication and mediocre preaching is how the preacher engages the mind, will, and emotions of the listeners. So I wrote an article about how to guide you through a process of engaging your listeners on those three levels. But the thing that the, the, the thing that it keeps going back to is what I talked about before, which is 
you have to understand how to build tension. You have to understand how a person listens to information and makes decisions based on that information. Typically, we think that people make decisions based on logic, right? So we think if we can just convince them with a compelling argument, a propositional truth, a thus saith the Lord a thing from scripture that they're going to say, ah, yes, well, that makes sense. I'm a Christian. That's what the Bible says. I must live that way. And some people, the, the faithful are may react like that, but that is not the norm. The norm is that people actually make decisions and are motivated for life change based on what's called pathos or emotions, the heart. If you think about the logos, the mind, the arguments, the truths, that might be convincing if their heart has been moved and it has to happen in that order. Their heart has to be moved. In other words, it has to be something that they feel that's important to them, that makes sense to their uh, experience to their person, that is when they begin to make a change. What I'm getting at is that where we lose people who are already bored because we're an oversaturated, over-entertained, bored society as it is, what happens is, is if we get up there and all that's coming out of our mouths are scriptural truth, fact, propositional truth, command, they're not hearing any of it because it hasn't moved them yet. They have to be moved at a visceral level. Again, go watch the episode or listen to the episode about building tension, and it will help explain a lot of that. So they're bored. You got to break through the boredom. Number four, they do not accept the Bible as true, and they don't care that you say it's God's word. The last category of things competing for the attention of your listeners is just good old-fashioned skepticism. You have some people, probably more than you think, who do not believe. Maybe they don't believe in God. Maybe they believe in God, but they don't believe he's active in the world. Maybe they believe God is active in the world, but they don't believe God. the, the Bible is God's word. Maybe they believe the Bible is God's word, but not all of it. Maybe they believe what they want to believe, and they've decided that nothing you say is going to change that. There's no shortage of options of what people have running in their minds as you preach. And just because you have the title pastor and speak from the Bible doesn't mean you're afforded with trust and confidence. It may actually mean the opposite, that you are afforded with distrust and a lack of confidence for which you have to make up. Uh, don't let this get, get inside your head where it causes you to preach from a place of fear, but rather be aware of it and do your best to communicate through it. So if, if you understand that people are skeptical or that people have the tendency to be skeptical, what it does, and Keller writes about this in his book, Preaching, Communicating Faith in an Age of Skepticism. Excellent book. I did a review on it on this YouTube channel. One of the things that he points out is that if you speak to the skeptic and not about the skeptic, you'll, you'll go a whole heck of a long way. What a lot of pastors do is they, they will assume with their words, they'll assume verbally and aloud that everyone in here believes, right? That there are no skeptics among us, that the skeptics are out there. They're, they're your family members and friends, but everybody in here, we all believe. The problem with that is you've just alienated anybody who might be there who might have a doubt. Instead, engage the skeptic and say, maybe you don't believe. Maybe you have doubts. Maybe, I don't know, here's an idea. Share your own doubts. 
Share your own skepticism. Share the things that are hard for you to believe. Because what happens is people start to go, oh, I can trust this person. Again, people make decisions not from logic, but from pathos, from emotion, from their heart. So if they first start to trust you as someone who is okay with their doubt, is okay with their questions, is not intimidated or threatened by it, what happens is they start to lean back a little bit and become more relaxed, more open, and more eager, and, and really more receptive and curious about what you have to say and less skeptical. So speak to them, not about them, and know that they're there and that it's okay. In your message, look at where you are making definitive statements and see where you can acknowledge the doubt that might be there. It's a really helpful thing. One way to do that is with questions. So if, if something is going to come across and you know that it's gonna come across like definitive, uh, there are times to be definitive. There are times to say, this is what the scripture says and this is what we believe. Thus saith the Lord. There are other times to acknowledge the difficulty of accepting these things and say, sometimes I like to ask the question, what if it were true? You may not believe it, but what if it were true? How would it change your life? What would your life be like were you to actually believe this is real? Some of those things causes people to lean in with curiosity instead of push back with defensiveness. So those are the four things that compete for the attention of your people. There are certainly countless more that could be mentioned, but I just want this to serve as a reminder that we as pastors are up against a lot. We need to be aware so we can pray and prepare accordingly. So what did I leave out? Let me know in the comments what other distractions are there that are competing for the attention of your listeners. Just a couple weeks ago, I did an episode about the distractions that are actually in your own mind or in the room. So you can check that out. That was a couple weeks ago. Let me know what you think about today's episode. Until next time, remember, if God can speak through a donkey, he can speak through you and he can speak through me. We'll see you next time here at the Preaching Donkey Podcast.